0: Welcome to the Unfolding Words podcast. I'm your host, and Tracy Moorings. Thank you so much for pressing play today. Today, I am tackling a subject that is a tough one. 2020 has been quite a doozy, and we're not even halfway through it yet. Now, I don't watch news. I stay away from the morning news, the evening news. It's just not my thing. I stopped that quite a few years ago. But there's some news that you just cannot escape from. So I'm sure you've heard the name Ahmad Arbery. And if you haven't, in a nutshell, on February 23rd, he was jogging in his neighborhood, and he's a 25-year-old young man, jogging in his neighborhood in Georgia when he was confronted by two armed men in a pickup truck. And what happened essentially is that he was shot and killed, murdered. Basically, many are calling it a lynching. And it surfaced just recently because there was video leaked of the murder. And as a Black woman, as a Black woman with sons, it just really hurts my heart that this is still happening in this day and age. And the first thing that a lot of people do when faced with such and injustice like this is to look to God and ask why, because these men were living carefree or with no legal ramifications for two months after murdering someone who on video did nothing to them. We look to God and we ask, God, why aren't you doing anything? We s- see these things happening and we want God to act And a lot of times God gets the blame for what people choose to do on this earth. God can intervene, but we're not promised a perfect city here on earth, but we are promised one in heaven. And imagine how God feels watching his creation do horrible things like this with the free will that he's given them. It's it's been one thing after another, just this downward spiral since Adam and Eve, so clearly we have not, the human race has not handled free will very responsibly. Today, I want to look at Psalm 94 that sums up the sentiments of what many people are feeling today surrounding the death of Ahmad Arbery. It's Psalm 94. And in my Bible, it's titled, The Lord Will Not Forsake His People. And the psalm begins, O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth, rise up. O judge of the earth, repay to the proud what they deserve. So the psalmist is essentially calling on God to be the judge, the good judge of the earth that we all know that he is. And he begins with a very simple and a powerful truth that vengeance belongs to God. He sees and he judges righteously with regard to humans, and he'll bring vengeance as he deems appropriate. And this is hard for us because we want to bring justice in the manner that we think is appropriate throw them under the jail murder them in cold blood like they murdered this young man that seems the appropriate justice right when we know that vengeance belongs to god this means that vengeance does not belong to us and this means that vengeance belongs to the one who sees more than we see and knows more than we know it's hard for us to imagine that right we live in a world where information is thrown at us 24-7. We have information at our fingertips. So we feel like we know everything. We know every angle. So, of course, we know what punishment is appropriate. And then this means that it's okay to ask God to handle vengeance and trust his sovereignty, his superior knowledge, wisdom, and his timing in doing so. And that's the hard part. And in this plea, in this psalm, we see that the psalmist understand God's nature and understands what he's capable of. The psalmist is urging God to act. And when he does this, he points to injustices against those to whom God's people were called to show mercy, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, these are all the ones that God cares for and wants us on Earth to advocate for, be an advocate for. So we see that the psalmist is reminding God of His role. You're the good judge of the earth, so judge the earth. So this is basically a, a lament of, in a, of someone who is threatened by wicked people. And the danger ultimately affects the whole community. Isn't that where we're standing right now? So this psalmist request teaches us a basic truth about justice. Although we play a role in the cause of justice, we're not the primary actor. God is. We have to always remember this about the Bible. God is the primary role. He's the star. Justice is is god's work so does that mean we do nothing of course not we lament we pray we seek god and we also fight for justice we use our voices to proclaim when we see something that is not right and then in the rest of the psalm we see that the psalmist complains about oppression of the holy community by people within it it says "O lord how long shall the wicked how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. And in this case with Amad, Arbery, this is what it felt like. Like they were boasting because they got away with this. They lived as free men for months until this video had surfaced. If this video had not surfaced, they would have continued living in a boastful manner, living boastfully because they were going free without any punishment. And then in the rest of the Psalm, Psalm eight through 11, the Psalmist makes a bold declaration of faith and denounces the evildoers. It says, "'Understand, O dullest of the people, fools, when will you be wise?' He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nation, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are but a breath. So like I said, this psalm calls on God as the judge of the earth to mete out divine justice by exacting punishment on the wicked because they were flaunting their freedom to do whatever they want. And afflicting God's people, even murdering society's weakest members, and then foolishly denying that God pays any attention to their evil deeds. So the psalmist poses these rhetorical questions that communicate that inevitably the proud will get their payback. So unlike the gods of other ancient Near East cultures of the time, the God of the Old Testament showed a deep concern for human beings. He's very involved in the personal lives of his people and every single issue they face. He's interested in justice, and he's often referred to as just and righteous in the Old Testament. So God's concern for humanity and justice shows itself in a number of ways. So remember when Cain killed Abel? God exiled him and marked him. We see this in Genesis chapter four, verses nine through 16. Many commentators interpret this passage as showing how compassionate God is because he didn't allow Cain to be put to death like he killed, but it also shows a strong focus on God's justice. So Cain isn't killed, but he is punished for murdering his brother. And the thing about justice is that no society, no nation, no community can survive long without justice. It has to be ingrained in the fabric of society. And the Hebrew word mishpat is used a lot in the translation for the word justice. And we see the word judgment used in the King James Version a lot. But it's thought of as a judgment that delivers and is not contaminated or slanted for any particular party. And the noun mishpat is formed from the verbal root of shepat, meaning to settle, to judge, to render justice, or to decide depending on what context it's in. And in the book of Amos, the prophet Amos was concerned about the disadvantaged people of a wealthy society that was based on hierarchy. So they were rich in luxuries, but all at the expense of Those who were much more poor in society, the oppressed, the widows and the orphans. And Amos saw this lack of justice in the courts for the poor. Justice had become so polluted that he called it a poison, a poison that was destroying God's people. And God, through Amos said, but let judgment run down as water and righteousness as a mighty stream. The Lord is just. We have to believe this. We cannot trust in a God who we do not think acts justly and also with mercy. God is the ultimate judge of all people. He will eventually bring justice to the nations and the Lord will be exalted by his justice. We see this in Isaiah chapter 5 and 16 because he loves mishpat. He loves justice. So the psalmist of Psalm 94 understands that revenge is not our responsibility. Now, the judicial system in our world does have a responsibility to uphold the laws of the land and such, but ultimately, revenge is the Lord's. Repaying men for their evil deeds is God's responsibility. And we may appeal to him to act knowing that he is the judge of the earth, that he's fully aware of everything that mankind is doing and that he's concerned about the well-being of his people, as well as the upholding of his reputation. So when we put the responsibility of the destiny or the destruction of the wicked in God's hands, it's not only the right thing to do, but it relieves those who are righteous of feelings of bitterness and hostility, which are ultimately self-destructive. And when we commit the fate of those who act unrighteously to God, it doesn't mean that we're passive when it comes to evil. Verses 8 and 11 tell us that we should speak out against evil and that we should seek to show the wicked the error of their ways. And when we leave the punishment of the wicked in God's hands, it also frees us up to appeal to those who do evil things, to repent of of their wicked ways, and to turn to God in faith. Isn't that ultimately what we all want? We want people to turn to God. Of course, our flesh will want people to be thrown under the jail or put in the electric chair, but ultimately what God wants is for them to turn to him so that he can deliver them and free them from their sin. And also, when we let God be God and commit evildoers to God's care— It also clears the air, so to speak, in our understanding of what God's purpose is for our lives as we live in the middle of an evil generation. Verses 12 through 15 tell us that the psalmist had a good understanding of God's purposes for the righteous. And those verses read, Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked, For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage for justice will return to the righteous and the upright in heart will follow it. So those who commit injustices, those who do evil things are still under the controlling hand of the sovereign God who uses everything to accomplish his purposes in the lives of his people. Now, that's not to say that God uses evil all the time, like he puts evil into action so that he can use it for his good purposes. That's not what I'm saying here. But God can ultimately use that which is evil for good eventually. So when the righteous face affliction and and injustice, they learn God's law in a very personal and a practical way. God gives those who suffer peace to endure suffering. And he also gives deliverance from his wrath to escape future adversity when the wicked are punished. So this psalmist has a right perspective so that he encourages the righteous to ber- to persevere in times of suffering. And then the psalmist shows that he is able to apply what he knows about God's plan for the wicked and the righteous to his own life. Through his character and his purpose, God assures those that live for him that he will continue to care for them just as he has done in the past. The righteous can ultimately turn to no one else because God is the God of everyone. God alone is our refuge and our strength. So I'm gonna read verses 16 through 23. They say, who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, My soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. And then the psalmist ends with a strong confidence in God. Can wicked rulers be allied with you? Those who frame injustice by statute, they band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord, our God, will wipe them out. So thinking like this psalmist, especially in times like we're living now, when the wicked not only prosper, but seems like they prevail and persecute those who are living righteously, we have to commit our lives and the lives of those who live wickedly to God. We have to be dedicated to God keeping his purposes in the earth. And we have to draw our strength from his word and from his faithfulness in our lives. But we also have to show compassion and warn the wicked about the error of their ways and help them to turn to God while there's still time on this earth. So when God seems like he's delaying in dealing with those who act evil, it's not only to accomplish a purpose in our lives, but it's to dig a pit for them and their destruction, but also to give them time to repent. So when we're faced with trying times like we are now with this case with Ahmaud Arbery, we should lament. We should cry out. We should be outraged. But we also should trust that God is a good and sovereign judge who will mete out justice perfectly. We know that about him, but it will happen in his time and in his way. But that doesn't mean that we sit passively and do nothing. We have to speak out when we see injustice. We have to speak out when we see evil happening, but we also have to pray and trust that God will lead those who are doing evil back to him. That's it for this episode of Unfolding Words. I pray that you're safe, that you're sound, and that ultimately the news and what's going on in our world doesn't bring you down. Hope in God, because he is truly our only hope. If you like to reach out and chat or ask a question, you can email me at antracia at unfoldingwords.com. Until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.